Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. Welcome to Identity Church Sunday morning, the 5th of July. Just want to know yesterday was our Independence Day. Now it's Sunday and we are interdependent. As a body, we just need to understand that we need each other. Um, I probably am not going to share it today. I had a vision uh, yesterday morning for uh, a church that I thought was more specific for that church, but I have actually, I've been putting it together and it's actually a corporate word. And it's how there's these three divisions of warriors. And through this whole encounter and war and teaching and training on how to wear the breastplate of righteousness properly, this division was had loosey-goosey worshipers and this division was, you know, word guys that were staunch. And then you had these mercy people that didn't know how to fight and wear their breastplate properly. The end of the thing was what we're looking. There's a lot of details and I'll share it sometime, maybe next week. But after the big battle, when it came time to clean the blood off their swords, there was an, ash, an acid wash from heaven that tempered the swords so they would never lose another battle. But there's something about this acid wash from heaven that I'm trying, God's trying to give me some revelation on. But the end of the vision was this. They went back into the same ceremonial setting in their full dress uniforms with their swords and all this. And they were no longer three divisions. They were one company. And I believe that's where the body of Christ is coming. One company. So as you look in the rearview mirror of independence, of independence day, the body of Christ is interdependent one with another. And when we become one, the father is going to release his glory and the battle will be won victoriously because of our unity and our humility. And that's where I'm at. So, Father, I thank you for this, this day of worship that you've given us. I thank you for Identity Church. Lord, you know some of the battles. You know that some, some battles we've lost with this COVID. And, Lord, we just ask for wisdom and health and strength. I break the power of fear and let wisdom become our rear guard in this, in this situation. Let us become the attractant of the answer because you are the answer. So, Lord, we just thank you for this day. And we just thank you that uh, you have our plans for us individually, corporately, our church, and the church at large. And we thank you for the kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Mike, lead us into some worship, sir. Many men will drink the rain Turn to thank the clouds Many men will hear you speak They will never turn around Many men will pour their gold they serve a thing that shines and many men will read your word and they will never change their mind many 
Amen. We'll drink the rain. Turn to thank the clouds. Men and men will hear you speak. They will never, they will never turn around. But I will not forget you. Oh, my God, my King, with a thankful heart, I bring my offering. And my sacrifice is not what you could give, but what I alone can give to you. A grateful heart I give, a thankful prayer I pray, a wild dance I'll dance before you. A loud song I sing, a huge bell I ring, life of praise I'll live before you Jesus I'll live before you Jesus many men will pour their gold they serve a thing that shines Many men will read the word. They will never, ever change their minds. I will not forget you. You're my God, my King, and a thankful heart. I, I bring my offering and my sacrifices, not what you can give. But what I alone can give to you—a grateful heart I give, thankful prayer I pray, wild dance I'll dance before you, loud song I sing, a huge bell I ring, life of praise I live before you grateful heart I give, thankful heart I pray, a wild dance I dance before you, loud song I sing, a huge bell I ring, life of praise I live before you, Jesus. Live before you, Jesus. I live before you, Jesus. I live before you, Jesus. Life of praise, I live. Wild dance, I dance. Grateful heart I give, a thankful prayer I pray, a loud song I sing, a huge bell I ring, 
stand before you, Jesus. Praise before you, Jesus. Many men will pour their gold. They'll serve a thing that shines. Many men will read your word. And they will never change their mind. tries to roll over my bones when sorrow tries to steal the joy I own when brokenness and pain is all I know oh I won't be shaken I won't be shaken darkness tries to roll over my bones Sorrow comes to steal the joy I hold. When brokenness and pain is all I know, I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when i stand in your love she no longer has a place to hide captive to the lies not afraid to leave my past behind oh, I won't be shaken I won't be shaken when darkness tries to roll over my bones sorrow tries to steal the joy I hold when brokenness and pain is all I know No, I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken Because fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love.
there's power that can break up every chain. There's power that can empty out the grave. There's resurrection power that can save. Power in your name. The power's in your name. There's power that can break off every chain. There's power that can empty out the grave. Resurrection power that can save. There's power in your name. The power's in your name. I feel it doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I. Stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love And my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand it, stand in your love, stand in your love, stand in your love, and I'm standing, yes I'm standing, yes I'm standing in your love. No sorrow gonna try to steal my joy No darkness is gonna roll over me No Fear doesn't stand a chance over my life Fear doesn't stand a chance over your love, Lord And I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid to leave my past behind no longer to the lies and my shame it has no place to hide and I won't be shaking no longer won't be shaking no longer won't be shaking no longer gonna shake any longer not gonna shake any longer cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love.
When times are hard And friends are few And you need someone To help you through Just call my name And I will come running to your side Don't be afraid Don't be afraid I will be there I will be there I will be there I will be there When the morning comes Nothing's changed And the world outside Still plays the silly games Just call on me I will ease your lonely heart Don't be afraid Don't be afraid I will be there I will be there I will be there I will be there You will be there Jesus will be there he promises, He promises, He'll be there When the morning comes When the same old world plays those silly games He'll be there Just call His name He'll be there just call his name, Jesus, he'll be there. When times are hard and friends are few, you need someone who can help you through. Just call his name And he will come running to your side Don't be afraid, don't be afraid He will be there He will be there Don't be afraid he will be there The world outside going crazy And he'll be there
You need someone And he'll be there To help you through And he'll be there Don't be afraid Don't be afraid He will be there He will be there Cause your fear doesn't stand a chance You stand in His love We have a great friend in Jesus. Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me? When I call Is it true That you are thinking of me That you love me That's amazing Cause I am a friend of God I am a friend of God I am a friend of God He calls me friend And who am I That you are mindful of me That you hear me When I call Is it true that you are thinking of me? That you love me? It's amazing Cause I am a friend of God I am a friend of God I am a friend of God He calls me friend And what a friend we have in Jesus It's all our sins and griefs to bear A privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. I know what peace we often forfeit. I know what needless. 
pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. When you're down and trouble and you need a helping Nothing, oh, nothing is going right. Close your eyes and think of me, and soon I will be there to brighten even your darkest night. You just call out my name And you know wherever I am I'll come running To see you again Winter, spring, summer, or fall All you got to do is call and I'll be there, yes I will Cause you've got a friend A friend we have in Jesus All our sins and grief to bear What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. And I am a friend of God. And I am a friend of God. And I am a friend of God. It calls me friend And I am a friend of God Yes, I am a friend of God I am a friend of God it calls me friend You've got a friend in Jesus what a friend we have in him. Wow, wow, well, wow. Well. Pretty good there, Michael. Appreciate that worship. He started playing, and I thought that first it was a Beatles song, you know. But what do I know? <laughs> was it kind of a secular song, twisted with Jesus? Okay, all right. Well, okay, it's not what you're singing; it's who you're singing to. There you go. All right. 
It's not what you're singing. It's who you're singing to. Yeah, cool. Cool. <laughs> um, let's just take a minute, and uh, I want to take up tithe and offering. Um, there's multiple ways to give here at Identity Church. You can give on um, text giving. The text number for giving is 386-753-3233. Um, you can give online. You can give on the app. Um, our church identity app, you can click right on the giving. You can go on our website and give. Um, you can send it to my my house. <laughs> Susie will get it. And she'll apply it appropriately. But uh, I just want to I want to thank everyone for your faithfulness. Uh, God has been faithful, but he has to do it through us. And there's many of you that have been extremely faithful. And what could be an excuse in a crisis, uh, I am amazed as, as the senior pastor, how many people have really stepped up their game. And uh, I believe being led by the Lord, and I also believe that you've positioned yourself to be blessed. You know, uh, the Lord says in, uh, in, in the book of Malachi, he he rebukes the devourer on our behalf. Well, if he rebukes something that's going to consume her, he might as well just put money in your bank. That's money that didn't go out. And so I, I believe God is the balancer of, uh, of our finances, and he has definitely blessed us here at the church. I want to thank you for that. So I just want to pray. Lord, I just, I just ask you to anoint every wallet, every pocketbook, every checkbook, every ATM card, Lord, um, I just ask you to supernaturally do the math in people's budgets. Uh, I call in uh, bonuses and favor from the north, the south, the east, and the west. We'll take it from other nations. We'll take it from other bosses. We'll, however you want to bless us, you know, Lord, we'll take a Pentecostal handshake. Some of you probably don't even know what that is. You ought to try it sometime. It's where you give that handshake with a big bill on it and, uh, I've given a few, and I have learned to receive a few, and so there's nothing wrong with a Pentecostal handshake, <laughs> but uh, I want to appreciate, I just do appreciate you and appreciate what the Lord's doing in our lives. We have um, an interesting speaker tonight. Uh, he's larger than life. Um, he's a figment of his own imagination so much of the time, but uh, he is one of our pillars uh, here. He's one of our elders, and him and his wife, Debbie, are just solid as a rock. And in the last season, <clears throat> it's been tough. And we as elders have had to take on different roles. And I've watched Elder Rodney pastor some of the hardest situations to the point where he called me, said he don't want to pastor no more. I'm like, oh, baby, you signed up. You ain't getting out of this. And, and you ain't definitely ain't getting out alive. So you might as well suck it up and spend some time with Jesus. But uh uh, I was actually with him when he got part of this message. I think we were in New York when that happened. Uh, he had some revelation. It's taken him months to, to put it on paper. So he's really, uh, uh, he's he's gleamed the goody out of this message. And so, yeah, there we go. But uh, just welcome Elder Rodney Madison. That That's his version. We, we were together when I got most of the down, a lot of the download for this. We were in New York, and a, a young man by the name of Elijah Daniel Ingram, I think I got that right, Ingraham, played a song that he wrote called Meet Me in the Dark. And um, you ever hear a song and it just hits you to the core and it speaks to you 
And um, that's what that song did. So at the end of this message, we're going to hear that song with his permission. Um, and I hope that the message gets you to a place where you can receive what he says in that song. Uh, as I said, as Charlie said, the seeds for this message were planted in our trip to New York back in end of February. My gosh, it seems like a, like 40 years ago. And um, who would have thought I parked this message because we shut everything down and we were, it was like, wasn't like my time to speak, had the notes done and um, I literally parked it. Two weeks ago, Charlie needed a person to speak on this weekend, and I said, yep. And little did I know what would happen in those two and a half months that would need this message. Um, I'm sitting here thinking about the fact during worship that it's 4th of July weekend, and our nation needs this message. Uh, we need this message as individuals. And I think the church needs it corporately. Um, it's okay to meet God in your darkness and cry out to him. He will come to your darkness and surround you with his light. Once he does this for you, you can do it for others. You can bring his light into their darkness. So sometimes when we pray and cry out, meet me in the dark, Lord, maybe Jesus isn't really going to be the one who shows up. Maybe it's going to be Gary or Karen or me or Pastor Mike or Pastor Charlie or your wife or your husband or your kid. You never know. So the best way to kind of, I think, to prepare you for this is to tell you someone's story. Because everybody who needs to be met in the dark has a story. There's a reason they're in the dark. So we're going to talk about Judas today. Interesting person. Um, we're going to go with Matthew 10, 2 through 4 is our first scripture. And I drove our scripture ladies nuts today. I gave them lots of scriptures. Now these are the names of the first 12 apostles. First Simon, who was nicknamed Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and then Jacob and John, the sons of Zebedee. Next were Philip and Bartholomew, then Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, Jacob, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, we never hear much about him, Simon, the former member of the Zealot Party, and Judas, the locksmith who eventually betrayed Jesus. Not the best way to be introduced. <laughs> Judas is illustrated as the betrayer in every gospel before he betrays. Now, we have to realize every one of those guys wrote their gospel after he betrayed. So what does that really tell us? It tells us the mark that his betrayal left on them. So, interesting too that he was locked, son of a locksmith. Um, I think Charlie did a message once about a mousetrap and the, the device on a trap that releases the, the trap 
is called an Iscariot. I think that's that's the, the, the meaning of that word. So Judas was Judas also was the only disciple that wasn't from Galilee. He was he was an Essene. He was from another part of Israel. He was also, I think, a little bit more zealous than his other eleven brothers because of the background he came from in the Jewish culture. So he was an outsider who was trusted with the money. He knew how to keep something locked up, but he also knew how to open a lock. And that was supposedly the source of some of his betrayal. So let's go to John eight seventy one. Six seventy one. sorry. I don't have my glasses on, Susie. Maybe I ought to put them on. Then I can't read the screen. Jesus was referring to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, for he knew that Judas was one of his chosen disciples, was getting ready to betray him. This was like well before any betrayal. This was in verse chapter 6 of John. The betrayal doesn't happen until like 10 chapters later. So just as God knew the serpent was the devil in the garden, Jesus knew Judas was the devil who would eventually betray him in a different garden. Judas had control of the keys to Jesus' money bag. And the devil had control of the keys to hell and death. And in the end, Jesus gets all the keys. So, we could take a little sidetrack. How important was that money bag? I, I believe that money bag came from the wise men, at least its origination. I believe the gold or the manger was in some of the money that was in that bag. That's how his ministry was financed. I'm sure if you look at the crowds he traveled in, he didn't always pass a plate. So that was, yes, God could do anything without a bag of money, but that bag of money sustained those guys as they traveled around. So let's look at John 12, three through seven. This is a unique scene. It's only found in John's gospel. I always look, when I read about someone like this, you know, you read, um, if you try to read the gospels together and, and about a thing or a person like this, I always try to one, put the scriptures in close to chronological order as I can. And two, I always look for the thing that's unique. What does only one writer say? And to me, I wonder sometimes why they were the only one that said it. And I'll tell you the truth that most of the time it is John. So John had an interesting perspective. And we are all, if you are a student of the Gospels, you know, he lived the longest and he wrote last. So he had the benefit of what everybody else wrote, maybe. Did he say, you know what, they already told all those stories. I'm going to tell the ones that I know. I don't know. But this is what he said in John chapter 12. Mary picked up an alabaster jar filled with nearly a liter of extremely rare and costly perfume. 
the purest extract of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet. Now, you all know this story. Then she wiped them dry with her long hair, and the fragrance of the costly oil filled the house. And it was said that the cost of that oil was probably a year's wages. That oil may have been that family's inheritance that she anointed her Lord with. But now in verse 12, 4, but Judas the locksmith, Simon's son, the betrayer, here we are again, yo, betrayer, spoke up and said, what a waste. We could have sold this perfume for a fortune and given the money to the poor. And then in the next verse, it says in parentheses, and this is in the Passion Translation, which means this is added, I think, for a narrative relief. In fact, Judas had no heart for the poor. He only said this because he was a thief and in charge of the money, in charge of the money case, the money bag. He would steal money whenever he wanted from the funds given to support Jesus' ministry. After all, he was a locksmith. So next verse. Jesus said to Judas, leave her alone. She has saved it for the time of my burial. You'll always have the poor, but you won't always have me. In some versions, that's what it says. In Luke 22, verses 1 through 6, this is another unique set of scriptures. And, and this is the first place where we mention Satan entering Judas before the Last Supper. So the betrayer begins to be twisted. As the celebration of the Passover lamb was approaching, the Jewish religious leaders and scholars of the law continually schemed to find a way to murder Jesus without starting a riot, for they feared the crowds. There's some wisdom in there for today. I just caught that. If only we could not start a riot and not be fearful of the crowds. Hmm. Go ahead, Susie. Oh, you're going to make me open my Bible because I want this scripture. All right, hang on, people. Twenty-two is a big chapter. It takes up a couple pages. Sorry. Kevin, this is why I said I wanted a headset. Sorry. This is where you fail, Oxpen. <laughs> Satan entered into Judas... 22 verses 1 through 6. As the celebration of the Passover lamb was approaching, the Jewish religious leaders and scholars of the law continually schemed to find a way to murder Jesus without starting a riot, for they feared the crowds. Yet remember what happened later. There was a riot. Free Barabbas. At the time, Satan himself entered into Judas the locksmith, 
who was one of the 12 apostles. He secretly went to the religious hierarchy and the captains of the temple guards to discuss with them how he could betray Jesus and turn him over to their hands. The religious hierarchy was elated over Judas' treachery, and they agreed to give him a sum of money in exchange for Jesus' betrayal. Judas vowed that he would find them a suitable opportunity to betray Jesus when he was away from the crowds. Now, in that verse, it doesn't say how much money it was. Well, how much was it? It was 30 pieces of silver. We're going to touch on that a little bit later. But depending upon what kind of silver it was, that was either a little bit of money or a lot of money. And I'll show you later, it was a little bit. So in John 13, 2, before the evening meal had begun, the accuser had already planted betrayal into the heart of Judas Iscariot. Similar to Luke 22, 1 through 6, but not as abrupt. Before their evening meal had begun, the accuser had already planted betrayal into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. The Aramaic says that Satan arose in the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. That implies he was there all along. I don't know about that. So now we're at the beginning of the Last Supper. And Jesus does some interesting things during this supper that involved Judas. And then Judas leaves. And as I read this, to me, the key was, what happens when Judas is there? And what happened when he wasn't? Because the greatest amount of revelation, some of the greatest revelation in the book of John, and we're not going to talk about this today. You can study this happens after the betrayer leaves the dinner. So God won't reveal his secrets in front of a betrayer because he doesn't want to be betrayed. But he will let the betrayer come to dinner, break bread with him, and call him friend. Interesting. So let's do um, John 13, 18 to 31. This is a long group of scriptures. I'm going to kind of, I may not read them all. I'm going to hop through this. Um, I don't refer to all of you when I tell you these things, for I know the ones I've chosen to fulfill the scripture that says, the one who shared supper with me treacherously betrays me. So Jesus is prophesying here. I am telling you this now before it happens, so that when the prophecy comes to pass, you will be convinced that I am. Listen to this timeless truth. Whoever receives the messenger I send receives me, and the one who receives me receives the Father who sent me. Stay there for a minute, Susie. Verse 22. 
Jesus is prophetically describing his betrayer and the events of his betrayal without naming Judas as the betrayer. A treacherous betrayal comes from a friend I ate with. Let's look for a minute at Psalm 41.9 and see what David said. He said the same thing. Even my ally, my friend, has turned against me. He was one I totally trusted with my life, sharing supper with him, and now he shows me nothing but betrayal and treachery. The Hebrew of this verse literally reads, he lifted up his heel against me. If anybody knows anything about Middle Eastern culture, showing someone the sole of your foot or the heel of your foot is probably the equivalent of flipping them the bird. Can I say that from the pulpit? I just did. This is a powerful figure of speech, meaning he was sold as an enemy and was treated treacherously. So Jesus quoted parts of that verse in his prophecy at the Last Supper. Go ahead, Susie. Let's see, I don't want to read all this. Then Jesus was moved deeply in his spirit. Looking at his disciples, he announced, I tell you the truth. One of you is about to betray me. And he goes through this story. He, he, he moves through here. Go ahead with the next verse, Susie. They're all looking at each other. Could it be me? Nah, it's not me. It's you. No one wants to claim it. But in Matthew 26, you don't have this, Susie. Um, 19 to 25 is the same story. But it ends differently. All that Jesus' words, all that was prophesied of me will take place. But how miserable it will be for the one who betrays the Son of Man. It would be far better for him if he had never been born. Then finally, Judas, the traitor, spoke up and asked him, Teacher, perhaps it is I. Jesus answered, You said it. So, who's Judas? Is Judas the devil? Is Judas this lockpick's son? Is he Jesus' treasurer? He knew his role. Now, I would want to say to you, Judas was a man on assignment. Nobody liked his assignment. But Judas's role is necessary. We'll see that in the garden. So let's go ahead, Susie. Keep going. I may not read much more of this. Go ahead. And Peter asked, who is it you're referring to? And in this version, Jesus doesn't say. Go ahead, Susie. That's 24. Who is it, Master? They're all whispering. In verse 26, he says, the one I give this piece of bread to after I've dipped it in the bowl, Jesus replied. Then he dipped the piece of bread into the bowl and handed it to Judas Iscariot. So Luke remembers it a little differently than John. 
But in both of them, he points his finger at him. This narrative of the Last Supper and the beginning of Judas' betrayal is by far the most detailed. So just after Jesus prophesies about what will happen, it happens. The one I give this piece of bread to after I've dipped it in the bowl. It, it, it was a word of knowledge, then it was a declaration, and then it was done. When Judas ate the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Why did he wait? Man was having a meal with God. Satan's not going to interrupt that. He can't. Culturally, this meal, especially the act of me saying, here's a piece of bread to mop up the gravy with, because that's what it was, is an act of cherished friendship in, in the Hebrew culture. And it's intimate. It's very intimate to hand over choice bits of food to a friend. No wonder Satan couldn't enter him at that point. So what comes after Jesus departs in verse 1331 is interesting. The time has come for the glory of God to surround the Son of Man, and God will be greatly glorified through what happens to me. So Judas leaves. Jesus makes that statement. The betrayer misses out on the glory, and he misses out on the wisdom of the next four chapters. So if you look at all Jesus told his disciples, you'll see what you miss if you betray God. And I, I got to admit, I am not a real good student of those four chapters. And I think, I think, one of you in this room right now, Gary, I thought it was you. It was like one of your favorite chapters is one of those chapters. Let's go to Luke 22, 39 to 40, Susie. So we've left the Last Supper. And Jesus took three of his buddies with him. He says, come on, we're going to go for a walk. Jesus left the upper room with his disciples, and as was his habit, went to the Mount of Olives, his place of secret prayer. Until I did this study, I did not know that. There he told the apostles, keep praying for strength to be spared from that severe test of your faith, for that fierce test of your faith that is about to come. The Mount of Olives is called the oil press. In Hebrew, it is a place of crushing. Meet me in the dark, Jesus says. Meet me in my secret place. So how many times in the Psalms do we hear the Father say, meet me in the secret place? Guess what? Jesus had one on earth. He only did what he saw the Father do. He only spoke what he heard the Father say. So, I talked about this earlier. 
I'm going to do this a little out of order, but what is the connection between the gardens and Judas and the snake? We said earlier, there's a betrayer in both gardens. Yet both are places God loved to go, both the Father and the Son. So Matthew 26, 36 to 45. Then Jesus led his disciples to an orchard called the oil press. This is the Garden of Gethsemane. He told them, sit here while I go and pray over there. He took Peter, Jacob, and John with him. And Jacob is James. However, an intense feeling of great sour sorrow plunged his soul into deep sorrow and agony. So his soul, it wasn't his flesh, it was his soul. And he said to them, my heart is overwhelmed and crushed with grief. It feels as though I'm dying. Stay here and keep watch with me. So some of you are going to go to the secret place, the dark, meet Jesus in the dark. And you're going to come out of a place of sorrow, agony, and grief. Because Jesus already walked those steps. And he said to them, my heart is overwhelmed. There you go. Thank you. Then he walked a short distance away and overcome with grief. He threw himself face down on the ground and prayed, my father, if there is any way you can deliver me from this suffering, please take it from me. A dear friend of mine said to me today and yesterday, when is this going to be over? We have our own periods of crushing in our lives and right when we think we can't make it God shows up yet what I want is not important for I only desire to fulfill your plan for me then an angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him now some of you think that these scriptures are about Jesus saying I can't go to the cross. God is too much for me. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, I got to get through tonight and the suffering I'm going to take in the next 20 hours so I can go to the cross. And that's what he was going to God about. Verse 40. Later, he came back to his three disciples and found them all sound asleep. He awakened Peter and said to him, do you lack the strength to stay awake with me for even just an hour? So I don't know if I said it earlier, but Jesus took his three friends to the garden in the dark, but he really went alone. They were of no help. So a lot of times you go into that dark place and you think you got the right people around you. And you'll find out you don't. Go ahead, Susie. Keep alert and pray that you'll be spared from this time of testing. You should have learned by now that your spirit is eager enough, but your humanity is weak. This is Jesus talking to Peter. Then he left them for a second time to pray in solitude. He said to God, my father, if there is not a way that you can deliver me from this suffering, then your will must be done. 
So he didn't back out. He came back to the disciples and found them sound asleep again, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. You got one more? Yep, I read it. 45. Okay. So, where there is sorrow and agony and grief, who do we look for? We look for Abba, right? So, let's go to 14, Mark 14, 32 to 36. Then Jesus led his disciples to an orchard called the oil press. We're in the same place, folks. He told them, sit here while I pray a while. And he said to them, my heart is overwhelmed with anguish and crushed with grief. We've been there. It feels as though I'm dying. Stay here and keep watch with me. He prayed, Abba, my father, all things are possible for you. Please don't allow me to drink this cup of suffering. Yet what I want is not important for you, for me. I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. So even Jesus turned to the Father in the dark, in his darkest time. He didn't turn to the Father when the devil tempted him in the desert. There was still an angel sent, though, to comfort him. So I've told you all this and set up all this scenery so that you could understand the place that you'll end up in at some point in your life. You will have your story. You will break trust with somebody and you'll end up in the dark. You may break trust with a spouse, child, friend, boss, You might even break trust with God. But if you meet him in the dark and you pray, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you, you're opening that door to be met. So what happens right after this? Judas comes back right after this. And he betrays Jesus with a kiss. Peace in the darkness comes through faith. If Jesus was willing to meet his betrayer in the darkness of the garden, which he did, he will surely meet you there as well. So what happens after this? A lot. But what happens to Judas? He kills himself. He commits suicide. So let's go to Matthew 27, 2 through 10. It's only described here. He, there are some parallels here I want you to watch for. You all know the story of Peter. Peter denied Christ three times. Judas betrayed Jesus, I don't know how many times in here. Kind of lost track. Let's just say it was three, just to make it simple. I want you to remember that. 
So they bound him with with chains and led him away to Pilate, the Roman governor. And when Judas the betrayer saw that Jesus had been sentenced to death, remorse filled his heart. Okay. Judas saw the same scene that Peter saw when Peter stood out by the burn barrel and denied Jesus. The difference was their perspective. Peter didn't kill himself. Judas did. And his remorse filled his heart. He returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the religious leaders, saying, I have sinned because I have betrayed an innocent man. There's your innocence, Charlie. They replied, Why are you bothering us? That's your problem. That's the world, people. Why are you bothering me? That's your problem. Then Judas flung the silver coins inside the temple, went out, and hanged himself. Now, what was the name of the field that they bought? with? What what did the priests do with the money? They said, it's dirty money. We can't take it. It's sin money. It's got blood on it. It's blood money. We can't put it in the treasury. Go buy a field with it. What did they buy? They bought the potter's field, right? Zechariah 11, 12 through 13. Susie, put that up there. Then I said to them, if it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out my as my wages 30 pieces of silver. This is Zechariah talking. Then the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter. The lordly price at which I was priced, the lowly price at which I was priced by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw it, threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. So even in his death, or upon, or in what say, like the eve of his death, whatever you want to call it, just before his death, he was quoting scripture. Who's the potter? Potter's a creator. God is like a divine potter. You can see that in Genesis 2, 7, 8, and 19. The word implies initiative as well as structure. Bought the potter's field. Zechariah the prophet cast the silver into the temple to the potter, creator, Yahweh. Judas cast the silver into the temple to the high priest, who rejected it, and cast it out into the field of the potter. Judas' redemption paid the price for the field of potter before Christ paid the price for the rest of us. But then he hung himself, and his guts spilled out underneath a tree. So what did he do wrong? He didn't go meet anybody in the dark. He just went to the dark by himself. 
What else? He, his actions all occurred on the wrong side of the cross. Remember I said to you before this that there wasn't much difference between Peter and Judas. Both Peter and Judas saw the same thing from different vantage points, from different perspectives. One would birth the church, the other would take his own life and never see the church. One was a zealous Jew, the other was a loudmouth fisherman. When watching the judgment of another, be careful what vantage point and perspectives are that you use. They will determine your outcome. Judas' heart was full of remorse over what he had done. He tried to repent, but the high priest wouldn't accept his repentance. Jesus would have. Jesus would have. He accepted Peter's. In his life, in his darkness, he could see no other way out but to take his own life. When you don't ask God to come into your darkness and no one else brings their light into it, that's our job, people, that's when bad things happen. What if Judas hadn't committed suicide? Would Jesus have reinstated him just like Peter? I say yes. The betrayal was no worse than the denial. Peter just pushed through. What if I told you, this is a little controversial, I'll give it that, that I could believe that Judas is in heaven. And you say, what? He betrayed Jesus, turned him over to the Jews, they killed him. Well, did he complete his assigned task? And who assigned it to him? I say the father did. All of that was put together so Jesus would be crucified. It's kind of out there. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying. So we've told you a story about a man who didn't meet in the dark with anybody but himself and maybe Satan. And it didn't work out too well. And if Kevin's awake back there, this is where he needs to kind of have that song ready. So Elijah Daniel Ingram wrote a song. It's called Meet Me in the Dark. I just want you to listen to this. I want, I want it to speak to your spirit and um, see what you get out of it. And then I'm going to close. Go ahead, Kevin. This world with ambition And I watched your arrows pierce my dreams I prayed over a city that took the best parts of me Yeah, and I fought for people that barely know my name and I live my life behind the shadows of your fame. And right now, I think that 
monsters under my bed finally got to my head so meet me in the dark find me in my scars yeah meet me in the dark tell me who i am show me who you are meet me in the dark
So meet me in the dark. Meet me in the dark of COVID-19. Meet me in the dark of racism. Meet me in the dark of rebellion, of a lost job, of a crying child, or of a broken marriage. Find me in my scars, Lord, the marks of what has already happened. Meet me in the dark, Father. Tell me who I am. Reveal to me my identity. Show me who you are, Abba, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Meet me in the dark. You have to invite him in or at least be receptive to when he shows up or he sends a friend. For all of you who are those friends, show up. Thank you, everyone. Meet me in the dark. Have a good day. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to IdentityChurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages, read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.